The summer I was nine years old, I did something reckless. Something my mother had told me never to do because it could kill me. I lifted my hand to my mouth, trembling, and for the first time in my life, I bit into a hot dog. Welcome to the Valley Voices podcast. I'm J. Kyle Sullivan for New England Public Radio. So just a quick recap, if this is your first time listening to the show, NEPR has just finished its second season of Valley Voices Story Slams. These are true stories told live, no notes, by your friends, neighbors, family, and at the end of every night, the audience picks a winner. Here you'll catch that winner's story, and also the first and second runner-up. So with that, we'll just hand things over to Tony Nunes, who got us started at our Off the Map Story Slam at Gateway City Arts in Holyoke. Those prostitutes look freezing. I'm standing in my newly acquired slum apartment after my partner of 10 years told me I wasn't attractive anymore. Mm, Nice. And all I could do was look out, look back at my dog, the only thing I asked for in the divorce, and say, those prostitutes are freezing. You know, I felt kind of a responsibility. This is my neighborhood now. I mean, this is my slum neighborhood. Um, I really needed to own it. So something needed to happen. I was going to take action, and I knew what to do. Cardigans. (laughs) Yep. I thought, cardigans are good because when you're wearing a cardigan, you know, it's still fashionable, and you can remove it quickly, which I thought was important for marketing when you're a prostitute. I thought, they're going to need that. You know, I don't want something, I don't want them fumbling with, with buttons, the buttons. That's another thing. I'm going to have to do something about the buttons. So I opened the box of all the cardigans that my ex had given me, and I thought, this is a good reason to use these. And I ripped all the buttons off, ran over to my little craft center, which was the first thing I set up, and I pulled out the Velcro dots. I thought, this is going to be good. I attached the Velcro dots in in place of where the buttons were, and I held them up each, looking out at the woman that was going to get maybe this cardigan. This is a good color on her. Yeah, okay, good. Oh, this one's good, yeah. I put them over my arm, and I thought, how am I going to approach this? So I walked out, and I said, hi, I'm Tony. I just moved in here. Um, I realize you're out here working. And And I thought, you look freezing. And the woman, um, one of the women, her name was Char, and I think she's probably, she's like the director of operations and marketing. I don't know. She was like in charge of all of them. So she, she said to me, said, oh, hi. And I said, listen, I, you're so freezing out here. I just want, I want you, know, you to be able to wear these cardigans. Well, the women surrounded me, and they thought, excellent. And they all went through the cardigans. One uh, woman had a problem. She said, this, I don't like this. And I said, yeah, I didn't either. That's why I brought it out. <laughs> So I handed them the cardigans, and I said, listen, if you need anything, I just moved in right here. And Char said, did you get any mail yet? No, I kind of don't exist yet. I just moved in. So a couple weeks later, I decided I need to be a proper gay boy. And I'm sure this doesn't come as a shock. Um, I needed to be a proper gay boy because I was like, what do gay guys do? Like, what am I supposed to do? I mean, I'm not with this guy anymore. We were together 10 years. And I decided, I, well, they go out. They drink beverages, and then they hook up. Okay, I got this. I got, I got to do this. 
it's like a, 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 a task. And I went out. Um, none of those things happened. Um, I, I got there, I had half a beer, I was trashed because I was just out of the loop and I stumbled back and I went back to my apartment and, and I got down to the bottom of the hill just before I get up to the slum area and there's a guy. Faggot. Just an FYI, um, if you're going to yell something like that, I'm like, that's like a junior high. We all said that in junior high. I'm like, come up with something creative. And if you think you're being really, really smart that you pick me out of the crowd as being the gay one, I mean, let's be honest. You know, let's just be honest. No one looked up here and was like, oh, what a nice straight boy. No. So I did what I always did in those situations, and I started removing my rings because I knew this was going to go down. I have... Part of my dad in me, which is a raging Portuguese man. So I started removing my rings, and I tucked them in my pocket, and I thought, this is going to be a gay bashing. I mean, a reverse gay bashing. <laughs> Just as I reached up my hand, I heard, what's going on, Tony? <laughs> he froze as if he had been stepping on a mine and looked up. We saw a cascade of women in cardigans and heels. <laughs> coming down the hill. We got this, Tony! <laughs> I turned to him and I didn't know what to say and just the first thing that came out of my mouth was, I can't help you. <laughs> I got home and a few weeks later, I noticed that I had mail. It made me feel a little good and I got up close and there was a card and then I noticed there was a box. I opened the box and there were all new cardigans. And there was a note. And I opened the note and it said, Hi, Tony. Thanks so much for the cardigans. I noticed none of them had buttons, so we sewed them on. <laughs> Just so you know, if you need to learn how to sew buttons on, I can teach you. Love you. Welcome home. Tony Nunes, getting settled into the neighborhood. Now Hallie Geminer starts breaking some rules. So at the height of the economic recession, my then girlfriend and I decided it would be a great idea to quit our safe, secure, stable jobs to travel across the country. Because why not? Now, up until this moment in my life, I had literally done everything I was supposed to. I got good grades. I listened to and followed the rules. Um, I volunteered. I was active in extracurriculars. I was the kid that parents wanted to have come over because they knew nothing was going to happen. <laughs> so I decided I wanted to take this momentum of following the rules and create a life plan. And the way I saw it, my plan would go like this. I'd get into a great school. I would meet my BFF, who would be tall, dark, and handsome. We would fall in love, get married, have 2.5 children, be successful in our careers, and so on and so forth. So to find myself quitting my job on a whim to travel across the country with my girlfriend was not something that I had ever anticipated. 
So I immediately started to create a plan to get back on that track and leave where I was. And that plan was to go on this road trip. And by the time we got to California, we would totally break up. There's no way we were going to make it. She didn't know this yet, of course, but I did. We would, of course, cry a little, but we'd both come to the realization that I was right. She would, um, she would fly back to Massachusetts. I would drive myself back to DC where I would easily get another job, find Mr. Tall, Dark, and Handsome, fall in love, get married, 2.5 kids, white picket fence, the whole thing. Now, this wasn't a decision I made lightly. We had been together for just over two years and we'd lived together most of that time. We really knew most about each other, um, including our deepest, darkest secrets. One of my secrets being that I still had and slept with a stuffed animal, a lamb named Lammy. <laughs> Super creative. <laughs> so all of that together, we start out on our trip. Three days in, she gets sick, and we decide, just like on the Oregon Trail when Tommy got bit by a snake, we're gonna take a rest. So we do that, we're like, okay, we'll get back on track, it's okay. So we keep going, and we get to Chicago where I'm sick. So instead of exploring the beautiful city of Chicago, I've heard, uh, we order deep dish pizza to our room. It was delicious. And we say, fuck it. We're throwing out the 20 page itinerary that we had meticulously put together and decide to just wing it and go day by day. And this, we got so many, we did so many amazing things. We got a private tour of the world's largest ball of twine made by one man. <laughs> We painted layer number 22,564 on the world's largest ball of paint. Took a two-hour detour through the Wyoming countryside, but that was more because we had turned on avoid highways on our GPS. Still beautiful though, and we didn't get upset by it. And we uh, accumulated a copious amount of Mike the Headless Chicken swag. So all these amazing things are happening. And in the middle of this though, something devastating happens. We have traveled the whole day and we've reached our final destination, which was always a hotel room, thankfully. And I realized that Lammy is missing. Exactly. I am, I immediately crumble into a ball on the floor and am waiting for the ridicule and judgment that comes with a 20-something having a stuffed animal and then crying about it. And so I look up to be judged and instead I find that she's crying too. She knows how much he means to me. And it's in that moment that I realize I'm not gonna make it to California to break up with her. I'm not breaking up with her at all. She wasn't tall, dark, and handsome, but short, pale, and pretty. But she'd come into my life demolishing my plans, and I am forever grateful. Thank you. I think it's Woody Allen who's quoted as saying, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Allie took home third place that evening, and now for our winner of the night, Emily Savin, who shared this moment of rebellion from her childhood. The summer I was nine years old, I did something reckless, something dangerous, something 
my mother had told me never to do because it could kill me. And I did it right in front of her, looking her in the eye. I lifted my hand to my mouth, trembling. And for the first time in my life, I bit into a hot dog. <laughs> I was a kid with allergies, and this was the 90s before everybody had food allergies. So I had to explain them a lot, but I was good at it. I was a good kid, and I was good at allergies. And my mother had told me everything I needed to know so that I could explain to a chaperone on a field trip, I can't have dairy or eggs because they'll give me eczema, and if I have fish, I'll throw up, and I've never been stung by a bee, but if I'm stung by a bee, or if I accidentally eat nuts or peanuts or hot dogs, my throat could close up and I could die. And this is my EpiPen in my fanny pack next to my inhaler. <laughs> My mother had prepared for everything. At the beginning of each school year in grade school, she would give my teacher a box of ginger snaps. And when one of my classmates had a birthday, they'd bring in cupcakes for everyone in the class and they'd go around with the white bakery box from desk to desk and they'd come to me and I'd say, no, thank you, I'm not allowed, I'm allergic to dairy and eggs. But I would get the equivalent of a cupcake, which is two ginger snaps. <laughs> this is also how we celebrated my birthday. I could answer every question about my allergies. So when my first grade teacher, Mrs. Sheckman, wanted to know why it was that if I was allergic to peanuts, I had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every day for lunch, I explained to her exactly what my mother had explained to me, which was that I was allergic to peanuts, but not peanut butter. My mother also made sure that I was safe when I went to friends' houses. She would call their parents first and she'd explain about the allergies and then just to make sure she would say to them, you're not by any chance beekeepers, are you? <laughs> she also taught me important skills like never to wear floral prints because a bee might mistake you for a flower and sting you. So I never did. I followed all the rules. I knew all the things to do and all the things to say. And yet, for some reason, that summer day when I was nine, I said, I want a hot dog. And maybe it was because I had begun to realize that I'd, I'd never heard of anybody else with a hot dog allergy. <laughs> but I think more likely it's because my friend Nora was over. Nora was my best friend. She was the year ahead of me in school, and Nora was strong and tough and bold and loud and so cool. She knew everything there was to know about the Ninja Turtles, and she didn't really care about Louisa May Alcott, but she was friends with me anyway. And when Nora was over, I just wanted to be a little more rebellious, a little more like her. So I said, I want a hot dog. And my mother said, you know you're allergic. And I said, you don't know that. You've never let me have one. And my dad, who usually had a strict non-intervention policy when <laughs> conflicts broke out, said, oh, for God's sake, let the kid have a hot dog. And since Nora was over, they couldn't have an all-out fight. So he handed me a hot dog. And at first, I didn't really know what to do with it. I was trying to hold it like corn on the cob. And Nora had to show me, no, you, you hold it like this, and you, you bite the end off. So there I was, ready to take my bite. And I can still 
picture where everyone was, they're frozen in my memory. My little sister is on the grass looking up from her hot dog. And my father is looking over from the grill. And Nora is standing right next to me watching. But they're all kind of blurry because I'm focused on my mother. And she's standing a little apart from everyone else with her arms folded and her eyes narrowed. And she's staring at me. And I'm staring at her. And I take that bite, and I chew it, and I say, I'm fine. And my heart is pounding with fear and the adrenaline of defiance. And I keep chewing, and I keep waiting for something horrible to happen. And the longer nothing horrible happens, the more I begin to believe what I'm telling my mother. I'm fine. Thank you. Emily Sabin, our finalist from the Off the Map Story Slam held at Gateway City Arts in Holyoke. See her live along with Hallie and Tony at our Best of Valley Voices Showcase with the Academy of Music Theater this fall. Visit nepr.net slash valleyvoices to learn more and to check out some of our other storytellers from the Valley Voices podcast. For New England Public Radio, I'm J. Kyle Sullivan.